0: Welcome to VGK Today, presented by MGM Rewards, a daily podcast bringing you an inside look at the Vegas Golden Knights 2023 Stanley Cup playoff run. I'm Justin Russo with the Golden Knights on Saturday, May 6th, and tonight the VGK and Edmonton Oilers battle it out again with Game 2 set for 4 p.m. from T-Mobile Arena. Vegas grabbed a 6-4 win in Game 1 on Wednesday despite a four-goal performance from Leon Draisaitl, and they'll look to keep things rolling tonight and try to take a 2-0 series lead before things shift over to Edmonton. Today, Brian McCormick joins the show to recap Game 1 and set the stage for tonight's pivotal Game 2.
1: In the days leading up to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs and the Golden Knights' battle with the Edmonton Oilers, As experts and pundits made their previews and picks, there was no shortage of recognition for a duo comprised of arguably the two best players in the world, nor for a power play that is inarguably the best that the world has ever seen. But one game into this series, it's already clear that while star power in the playoffs is important, sometimes it's just as meaningful when the gang's all here. Hello friends, I'm Brian McCormick. This is VGK Today. And after the VGK drew first blood, we get you set for tonight's Game 2. While the Golden Knights have to be largely thrilled with what they accomplished in Game 1 at the Fortress, not only did they get the Game 1 victory and score six goals against Stuart Skinner and the Oilers in the process, they continued their trend of resiliency throughout the game offensively, relentlessness in the offensive zone. They continued to prove that while the Oilers are likely going to score a lot of goals, they're likely going to give up a lot as well. And if your only hope in a series is not to stop Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, but merely to contain them, well, the Golden Knights did just enough in, of that in Game 1 as well to get the victory. In this episode, we'll break down what the VGK did so effectively in Game 1 and can carry over as this series continues, and of course, what the Oilers likely will look to do as they try to bounce back and split this series before heading back home to Alberta. Leading off, I think above all else, the trend that continued in game one, carrying over from the Golden Knights' victory over the Winnipeg Jets in five games, is that this team is deep. That is not new, but it is proven again and again and renewed again and again with each victory that the Golden Knights pick up in the playoffs.
2: It's worked well for us all year. I think it shows that the people that have followed us that it's not always perfect and quite often imperfect, but we find a way to get back to our game. You hear that term a lot, but I believe in it with us. I think our players do. Um and I think that's again our depth as well, right? You can use different players to, to get you back on track and um so uh probably has a lot to do with it.
1: Whether they're playing a team that is going to try to be opportunistic and try to wear you down like the Winnipeg Jets hoped to in the first round, or a team that's going to fly at you run-and-gun style with all-world talents like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, the Golden Knights have proven that they can be patient, they can be structured and disciplined, and when they get the puck on their stick in transition, they can hurt you, and they can hurt you quickly, and they're not relying on just one or two players to do it. Looking at this... Edmonton attack. First of all, again, we joke that the, well, uh, the joke is unfair, but we, we can say that the Golden Knights uh, contained the Oilers and Leon Dreisidel, And if that is containing, then Leon Dreisaitl hosts to be contained every night because he scored not once, not twice, not thrice, but four times in game one. Nobody else there for the Knights. Bouchard starts the breakout two on two. Third man, Dreisaitl scores! Fourth goal for Dreisaitl. Edmonton back within one. What a night for Leon Dreisaitl. And it's amazing to think. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I imagine someone might have looked this up in the last couple of days. I've not seen it. Uh, But when do you think the last time, if ever, in the National Hockey League, we had two players on consecutive days post four goal games, in this case, Leon Dreisaitl on Wednesday, Joe Pavelski for the Dallas Stars on Tuesday, and both of those players lose that game. The Oilers losing game one and then the Dallas Stars losing game one of their series in overtime against the Seattle Kraken. I don't know that that's ever happened before. But for the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, it's I think it's a, a mindset of if if Leon Dreisidel and Connor McDavid are going to hurt us and, and they're going to get their points. But if, if that's who's going to hurt us, make sure no one else does. Uh, and well, the Golden Knights did a good job of that. In game one, as Drysaitel scored four goals, Connor McDavid picked up two assists uh, on the night as well. I mean, to me, it's it's killed two birds with one stone. If uh, if they're both gonna have multi-point nights, make sure that they're doing it on 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 the same tallies. Uh, Leon Drysaitel' a goal assisted by Connor McDavid still counts as one, uh, but the VGK did a good job of keeping the rest of the Oilers lineup in check. And as we've seen from the VGK throughout this postseason, and as we've seen the Oilers struggle with throughout this postseason, even though Leon Draisaitl opened the scoring for the Edmonton Oilers just 3:56 into the first period, Ivan Barbashev responded 40 seconds later to tie the game at one.
0: On the left wing, gap slides it in. Behind for Fogel. his pass broken upside of the net. Stopped! Loose puck, still near the slide. Another try! They score! Barbashev! Vegas ties it. Going to work in the crease. Interior opportunities and the finish for Partnership. One one tie.
1: Four and a half minutes into the game. And for the Vegas Golden Knights, again, it has been their ability to bounce back quickly and to not even rely on depth of scoring in their lineup, but to, I mean, at this point, you almost expect it. If you look at where the offense is coming from for the Golden Knights in this postseason, they have five players right now who are averaging a point per game or better through six games of the playoffs. That's Mark Stone and Chandler Stevenson, who both scored again uh, on Wednesday night. Jack Eichel uh, is uh, just above a point per game. He's got seven points in six games. William Carlson, Alex Petrangelo are a point per game. But after that, if you look at the, uh, the depth below that, Brett Howden, Michael Amadio, and Ivan Barbashev, in six playoff games... Ivan Barbashev, Michael Amadio, and Brett Howden have accounted for seven goals. Seven goals from those three—that's a recipe for success. And when you juxtapose it against an Edmonton Oilers team that has gotten eleven goals from Leon Draisaitl, for Edmonton that's a good thing. That's no one's sneezing at that. But he's scored eleven of their twenty-nine goals. Clem Costin, Connor McDavid, and Evander Kane all have three. That's the gap. 11 for Dreisaitl. The next highest total is Costin McDavid and Kane with three. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has four assists in seven playoff games. He doesn't have a goal yet. So this is an Oilers team that offensively has been pretty dependent uh, on a couple of big names. And that is not to say that it's going to stay that way. Zach Hyman's going to make an impact at some point, you would presume. Uh, Vander Kane, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Evan Bouchard. These guys are going to get their cracks at it. But on nights when they're quiet, you need to win hockey games, and that's what the VGK did in Game One. And as Bruce Cassidy has uh, referenced multiple times throughout this postseason, it's because it's not one person's job every night to be the offensive wagon. Everyone pulls on the rope. And largely in Game One, uh, one while it was by a committee, it was a big step up game for Ivan Barbashev.
0: Michael breaks left wall, hassled on the near side, rink wide right. White Cloud's pass attempt blocked by Nugent Hopkins. White Cloud again out high. A wrist shot. Score! Pipton Price! Barbashir, second of the day. Knights back in the lead.
1: Four, three Golden Knights. Two and a half minutes into the third. And what stands out to me after game one is you look at how the Golden Knights were creating offense. Now, first of all, the, the four check continues to lead directly. To offense, and and we talked about a lot in the Winnipeg series. But right off the hop, Ivan Barbashev's first goal of the game is the direct product of forecheck pressure and some trouble at the side of the net for Vincent DeRenne on the uh, a young defenseman for the Edmonton Oilers. And the Oilers, again, young defensively. The Philip Broberg and, and Vincent DeRenne; these are young guys. Evan Bouchard is still relatively young, um, but the Oilers have had trouble in their own end. And it was a turnover by D'Arnais that led directly to the Barbashev goal. But I think it's worth mentioning two things when you look at how the Golden Knights produced offense and how they can continue to produce offense. If you look at what the Oilers have done in the first seven games of their playoff run, they've not been great around their own net. And Stuart Skinner, who is a Calder Trophy finalist, um, and had a great rookie season but is getting his first real taste of playoff action it has not looked overwhelmingly shorthanded in these playoffs he's got a 368 goals against average and an 883 save percentage but i went back i'm looking through the highlights of, of the oilers playoff run to this point and it, to me Stuart scare has just not looked comfortable on pucks around his feet so i did the tally he gave up Just This is on goals that are are rebounds and pucks around his feet. So just general, you know, scramble plays, scramble pucks around the blue paint. I counted one on Wednesday. And that first Barbashev goal, I I count as that. Even though by the time Barbashev fires it, it's leaked out closer to the hash marks. That's a, a turnover and a puck rattling around that starts around the goal mouth that neither the Edmonton Oilers defense or Stuart Skinner is able to get hands on. In the playoffs as a whole, eight goals. Stewart Skinner has given up eight goals on rebounds and pucks around his feet. Now these aren't all equal, of course. Some pucks. Uh, it's not surprising to say that there are going to be a lot of goals given up in the in in any NHL game on rebounds and deflections and and pucks in tight. Most goals are scored from inside the hash marks and in tight. But of those eight goals, you know we're counting pucks that were mishandled. We're counting the Philip Deneau giveaway in Game Six against the LA Kings. Uh, Gabe Vallardi had a goal where. Skinner's skate was literally pressed against the post, and the puck somehow leaked underneath it. He just has not looked overwhelmingly confident. Uh, and to me, he's not controlled the blue ice uh, in his in his games this this season. And the Golden Knights have done a good job throughout this postseason of getting pucks to the front, of getting bodies to the front. On Wednesday night, the Golden Knights had three goals that were the, prog- uh, the, the product of either rebounds or deflections. Barbashev had a deflection goal. Mark Stone had a deflection goal. They got to the front. They got tips. For the playoffs as a whole, the Golden Knights have eight goals that are either rebounds or deflections. Rebounds or deflections. So the Golden Knights have done a great job getting to the front. The Oilers have not done a good job controlling the front of their net. And again, when I talk about the goals given up by Skinner in front, that's not counting goals where players have just walked to the front which is not on Skinner, that's on the Oilers defensively. But again, it's a, it's a young defense, it's been a bit of a porous defense, and even players that the Oilers rely on heavily, like Darnell Nurse, has had instances in this postseason of of, uh, of missed coverages in, in the defensive zone. So I think for the Golden Knights, who have done such a good job on the forecheck creating turnovers and funneling things to the middle of the ice, that's a recipe for success against the Edmonton Oilers. And you'll hear coaches say it all the time, often on the power play, but it works for five-on-five, five too. Puck retrievals are so important. When you've got the puck on your stick, when you're stationed against the half wall, or when you're when you're set up, and, and for the power play, it's even more evident. But when you are in a structured attack in the offensive zone, the team that's defending is structured, too. They're where they plan to be. They're following the X's and O's of their defensive zone structure. When you fire the puck on net, and it goes off the pad and deflects to the corner, that's scramble mode now. Now everyone is trying to retrieve the puck, and once the puck is retrieved, that's when everyone needs to scramble back to their original defensive position again. So if you can get puck retrievals on turnovers, on four checks, on rebounds, if you can get puck retrievals and get and, and, and move the puck quickly, that's when you're going to find cracks in defensive coverage before teams have been able to adjust to the new reality of where the puck has gone. And the Golden Knights have done that very well throughout the postseason. They did it really, really well in game one. And now you have an Edmonton Oilers team that's given up three goals or more in six of their seven games in these playoffs. They've surrendered leads in five of seven games in these playoffs. They've given up multi-goal leads three times in these playoffs. Now, again, giving up a lead in five of their seven games, sometimes that means that a game that was one nothing became 1-1. You know, that that is not uh, certainly anything to overly criticize, but it does demonstrate that for o- the Oilers, when they get in front, when they get a lead in, the- in this postseason, largely, they have really been able- only able to pull away and conquer a game, claim a game, leave no doubt in a game, once in this postseason. And it was in Game 5 against the LA Kings. So the Golden Knights are going to be thrilled with what they were able to accomplish, uh, putting pressure in the Edmonton zone in Game 1. We also heard from Bruce Cassidy his uh, how happy he's been with his group. He said, "There's no hope plays. There's no there's no Hail Marys. There's no throwing a puck into an area and hoping it works out. This is a Golden Knights team that has been very purposeful on the attack, and I think what we saw it most with in Game One. Again, we've talked about the in zone work. I thought the zone entries offensively for the Golden Knights were terrific, and it was largely because you look at the offense they were able to create." Quick in transition, a couple of times they caught the Oilers in bad changes, but a couple of times it was the ability to enter the zone with possession, with speed, and do it from the middle of the ice. Not driving wide in a, in a, and you take what the defense gives you sometimes, but sometimes you, you know, the, the lane to enter the zone is wide. You put, you get your wheels going, you lower your shoulder, and you try to drive deep into the zone and go to work. But when you have the opportunity to enter the zone with speed in the middle of the ice, That's going to push everything back defensively. And once you push in, then you bump it to the outside, and now there's east-west passing lanes. If you look at the Michael Amadio goal that made it 2-1 for the VGK, that's a zone entry from Carlson. He comes over the blue line with speed. Darnell Nurse steps up, tries to poke him at the blue line and misses, and now he's caught in no man's land, and Carlson's able to slide it across to where Darnell Nurse should have been. It's a wide-open look for Michael Amadio on the right wing.
0: Oilers in the zone, put towards the net, White Cloud blocks the shot, starts it out to Carlson, across the line, to the right, a drive, and a goal! Right wing shot from Amadio, the Knights take the lead! Twos puts the Knights up 2-1! to
1: Jonathan Marshazo had a chance in the second period, that was off of an Ivan Barbashev zone entry, where you push the middle, you draw defenders high in the zone and to the middle of the ice, and if you can bump it to the outside, you've got a, a, a lane to drive. If you look at Chandler Stevenson's goal, it's off of a bad Oilers change, but it's quick transition, a zone entry by Brett Howden that draws players to the middle of the ice. He's able to bump it outside, and uh, there's a, an open lane for the, the Stevenson one-timers. So the Golden Knights did such a good job with zone entries, controlled zone entries, but doing it from the middle of the ice that allows, you know, we, we talk so often about that, that middle lane drive, how a player going down the middle of the ice is going to draw others to the net with him. It's going to open up opportunities for the trailer. It's going to open up east-west passing seams. Well, sometimes if the puck carrier can draw guys to him, it's going to, it's going to accomplish the same goal. And the Golden Knights off the rush were really, really good, but it's because of their neutral zone game. It allowed them to attack with speed from the middle. And that's something the Oilers are going to have to adjust to without questioning game two. Certainly a storyline for this series is going to be the power play for the Edmonton Oilers, the best power play in NHL history during the regular season. It's been solid in the postseason as well. It was two for three on Wednesday in game one. For the Golden Knights, the most important thing you can do is try to stay out of the box. And that's uh, easier said than done, but it's something that the Golden Knights do better than any other team in the National Hockey League. In the regular season, they were shorthanded on average 2.38 times per game on average. So less than three penalty kills per game for the Golden Knights. That was the best mark in the National Hockey League in the playoffs. Again, they have the best mark in the NHL during the postseason. They've been shorthanded on average only two and a half times per game. So it is in the VGK's DNA to avoid the box. Uh, And if they can do that, it's going to benefit them greatly. Because again, this is an Edmonton power play that's going to hurt you if you face it too often. Uh, and I think it was something on the ESPN broadcast. Ryan Callahan uh, on the ESPN broadcast did a really good job of explaining what the Oilers' power play does so well. And it doesn't look the same every time. Uh, the The second dry sidle power play goal, he and McDavid are on the same side of the ice. McDavid's in the corner, gets the puck to the front, and after some pinball, dry off to the side of the net. But the first power play goal for Edmonton, the first goal of the game, you see McDavid kind of wheel high in the zone, collects the pass at the top of the left circle while moving downhill, and then moves it across from left circle to right circle, where sidle was for the one-timer. We see that one-timer all the time. The difference, though, and this is what Callahan explained pretty well, I thought, it's not a one-timer that's stationary. We're used to seeing Ovechkin and Stamkos at the top of the right circle, that, that patented one-timer. The first time the Oilers tried to set up Dreisaitl on the right wing side, the pass didn't get through. And first of all, who in the world is better than McDavid of carrying the puck into the left circle, holding onto it as long as he possibly can to draw players to him and still be able to slide that pass through sticks, through bodies, through that seam. Most players can't consistently get that puck through. So that's what makes it tough to defend in the first place, is it's an all-world talent who's able to slide that puck through where most guys can't consistently. But what Callahan diagrammed is the first time they tried it, it didn't work. The second time they loaded it up the same way and Dreisaitl, who had been around the faceoff dot the first time, moved down about three feet to the bottom of the circle. He changed the angle, he changed the seam and where the VGK had the same diamond setup trying to take away that pass across the middle by Dreisaitl relocating a little bit that opened up the pass that it was able to get through. So they're smart, they're mobile and they make adjustments inside of the two-minute power play they're working on. They don't go back to the bench look at the, uh, the iPad and then fix it. They fix it on the fly, and that's something that the Golden Knights on the penalty kill will, will certainly have to be mindful of. But uh, talking to the press after game one, I, I believe this was on the, uh, the off day on Friday, uh, Connor McDavid talked about how he wants to see a little more urgency from the Oilers and wants to see them spend a little bit more time in the, in the VGK zone playing more of their style of possession hockey.
2: Yeah, I think making them play, making them defend, playing them in their own zone. You know, obviously they're a really good offensive team. Um, you know, they showed that in game one. They've showed that coming down the stretch as well. So um,
1: playing them in their zone, holding on to pucks, not giving them anything for free, you know, turning pucks over. I thought we turned too many at the blue line. Um, turned a few over in the offensive zone that, you know, they're looking to kind of front and, uh, and, and get going. So um, holding on to it, making them defend. So a high-talent Oilers squad, which again is going to be demanding more of their supporting cast, the Hyman's and the Nugent Hopkins and the Canes, uh, expect to, to see them, at uh, if they're able, to try to impose their will in the VGK zone a little bit more. But the Golden Knights were strong with zone, en- uh, zone exits, and uh, that's something that they've done a really good job of in this postseason. Quick breakouts, uh, clean through the neutral zone, uh, and attacking with speed. One last thing to touch on that I thought was was interesting that Bruce Cassidy discussed uh, in his media availability on Friday. Someone asked about the goaltending matchup, and again, we've already talked about Stuart Skinner on this podcast. Laurent Brassois had a strong postseason. He's got a 267 goals against average and a 906 save percentage in his first real, true number one guy playoff, uh, Stanley Cup playoff opportunity. Um, and, and they just, they, they asked Bruce about that goalie matchup and Bruce Cassidy was, it was interesting. You know, every year there's some Cinderella storyline. It it feels like either it's the year of the fourth liner or it's, you know, there, there's a, a checking line player who had two goals during the regular season, but has 10 in the playoffs, some, sometimes something, there's something funny in the water that takes over. Uh, and for Bruce Cassidy, he, he made mention of the young goaltenders who are making an impact in this postseason, the all-world talents and legends who are not in the mix anymore, who have already been sent home for the summer, uh, and maybe this is the year of the upstart understudy goaltender who can make a difference.
2: He's just risen to the occasion. It might be the year, right? Like, you look at some of the goal, like, the guy in Jersey, I, I mean, I'm not sure what his history is. He's, he's carried them into the second round, and now you got Skinner, you got Broussois, it's... Might be that year, right, where Grubauer's recaptured his game. I mean, Ottinger's a name, but, you know, some of the top names, Vasilevsky's, Shishterkins. Uh, Allmark had a great year. They're not around, so just be that year where it's maybe a lesser-known guy is going to carry his team. We hope it is because um, they been real good for us.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe this is just that year uh, where a goaltender that, We've never heard of before, in some cases, if you're talking about New Jersey's Akira Schmid, or a goaltender who had to work his way back up from the American Hockey League and overcome the injury odds like Laurent Brassois. Maybe this is the year that a a goaltender we didn't expect in January and February is the reason the team is hoisting the cup in the middle of June. We'll have to keep an eye on that, but the story will continue tonight with Game 2. Puck drop at 4 at T-Mobile Arena, and we'll be ready for it sending it back over to Justin Russo.
0: Well, a great breakdown of things by Brian as we prepare for Game 2 tonight, and really like the point that he made about getting pucks in tight on Stuart Skinner, and you look at the way the VGK did things in Game 1, and Vegas got a lot of tip-ins, they got a lot of traffic in front of the net, and really, that's the way they want to play, right? I mean, that's the way Bruce Cassidy has been preaching to his team on how they should be playing, how they should attack, especially in the postseason Things aren't going to be very pretty, right? You just have to score however you can. And, hey, it's hard sometimes when you look at a guy like Leon Dreisaitl or you look over and you have Connor McDavid right there and they're like a bolt of lightning flashing through the middle of the ice making these crazy plays, these one-timers, these great dekes to get into the zone. But for the Vegas Golden Knights, that's not their identity. Sure, they scored six goals. They had a high-flying offense in Game 1, but they did it a little bit differently than the Oilers. They got those tips. They got those goals near the front of the net, and they need to keep doing that in Game 2. Blueprint is there. Now, you just have to keep following it if you're Bruce Casty and the Vegas Golden Knights. And I think that they are going to take that to heart. And hopefully, we'll see that again in game two for the VGK. And we'll see if they can grab a two to nothing series lead against the Edmonton Oilers before things shift back to Edmonton on Monday for game three. But before things do shift over to Edmonton, got a home game tonight at the Fortress, and I'll remind you that playoff tickets for round two are still available. You can go to vegasgoldenknights.com right now to get either a playoff strip so you can get the same seats for every home game in the round or get your single game tickets just like usual. So go to vegasgoldenknights.com to get tickets to round two of the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs against the Edmonton Oilers. Also take a second to remind you to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss a moment of the team's quest for the Stanley Cup right here on VGK Today. Tomorrow, Darren Millar joins the show to recap all of tonight's Game 2 action. Justin Russo signing off for Episode 20 of VGK Today, presented by MGM Rewards.